Um, thank you guys for coming. I'm glad to see you guys here. I'm glad to see all the, like, lots of new faces. That's exciting. Um, uh, before we get started, just a few announcements. Um, first of all, I want Ryan Lowe to stand up. If y'all haven't met Ryan yet, Ryan is our new children's church, children's pastor, ministry pastor, family leader, guru of all things dadly. Uh, I think actually he gets to run this now. I get to go just sit there. Um, not true. Um, I'm, uh, yeah, you can. I tried to get Ryan to teach a pops as part of his in, uh, interview process, but that idea got shut down. I was like, make him do this first. Uh, see if he can do this. Uh, we had a bunch of guys, at least a few guys, go and help Ryan move Thursday. I know there was some fellowship over that. And so I'm, I'm glad you're here, Ryan. We've had a chance to hang out with him and his family. Um, if you spend any time with Ryan and his kids, you'll be like, teach me your ways. Because they showed up to our house straight off of like a nine-hour drive, just like straight out of the van into my house and like five like ridiculously well-behaved kids. And I was like, I don't even know how you do that, dude. Like it, it still, I really don't understand. So we'll, we'll – I haven't signed up for lessons or something. Um, uh, next thought. So we are working in the process. So just some, to keep in mind, either for this month or probably for next month, of, by the, sorry, by either for Ju- July or for August, uh, we're working on some outdoor activities that we're going to start doing uh, once a month probably, some kind of just getting out into the outdoors with our kids. So it's kind of a next thing wrinkle we're going to add in. It's a little hot for July, so probably... August probably won't be that much better, but um, suck it up, kids. Um, maybe we'll do something water-based or something. But So just keep that on your radar. Be looking for an email or something like that. Um, our speaker today is Ronald. If you, any of you saw my email, um, I was really hoping to hear something Father's Day related, Father's Day. But like I said, Ronald, it turns out is he's like subscription only now, and that was like members' content. Uh, as to sign up for Father's Day stuff, he had to come to this. So I'm glad he saved it for this. He didn't, I was like, I wonder. I remember grabbing the notes. Like, I wonder how much overlap there's going to be. It's like, oh, there's zero overlap. He he could have just gotten one message ready, but instead he did two. So uh, anyway, Ronald uh, and I have talked a lot about dadding over the last couple of years, and uh, I've been blessed to hear his heart and just how he's really desiring to get in and know his kids. And this. Uh, the, what Ryan, what, what Ronald's going to talk about today, I think, really uh, gets to the heart of what I love about him, how I hear him talk about fatherhood, which is like knowing these little creatures that are in my house and how do I get to know them and how do I parent them, not from the standpoint of me as the dad, but from them as the kids. So uh, I'm excited to hear him talk about this more. Uh, we'll have a book to give away. Oh, my dad joke. Uh, I need to give you, uh, leave you guys equipped to uh, make your kids grown at some point in time this week. So your dad joke for the week is, what's a foot long and slippery? A slipper. It's a foot long and it's slippery. Yeah, that's, that's the response. That's correct. So Ronald, all you, man. On that note, can only go uphill from there, huh? Uh, well, brothers, good morning. My name is Ronald. Um, I have the joy of being one of the pastors here and and even a greater joy of being a dad. And I find myself in the throes of fatherhood like many of you. Uh, so my, my, my street cred, I've got four kids. I've been married to my wife. Uh, 13 years will be 14 next month. Uh, 10, uh, Adelaide is 10, my oldest. Uh, three girls and one boy. 10, 7, uh, 5, Lucas, my man. And then Olivia, our, our, our one-year-old. And um, this, this, these thoughts come from a place of uh, uh, me figuring this thing out, like most of you, right? There, 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 there's a couple of gray beards in the in the in the in, in, in our in our gathering today, and so I do not claim their expertise. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, a couple of gray beards and some non-gray beards, but that are still would qualify. Ronnie Sun, looking straight at you, my man. Um, but um, ho- hopefully, hopefully, the, the principles that we discuss this morning are things that begin to to work in you as they've worked in me, uh, as, as I've recognized uh, through through trial and error, uh, mostly error. Um, just the pattern set forth of what, what the Lord would, would have us do. So um, let, let me get a, a picture in your mind um, as we start. Um, I want you to imagine it's a Friday afternoon. It's about 630. You're getting off of work. Uh, you've had a long day, um, maybe particularly busy day in the office. And uh, uh, you can't wait to get home. Um, maybe it, it's, it's, a, it's a particular uh, night that you're used to, you know, a homemade meal. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's kind of the pattern of your life on Fridays. And uh, before you leave the office, your wife texts you and says, hey, listen, I've had a rough day too. Um, is pizza okay? Can you, can you pick it up as well? I was like, yeah, sure, I can do that. That's not a big deal. It's on the way there. And so, you know, one, one, one of your expectations for the evening is not going to be met. Uh, you get, get to have pizza once again. And um, you pick up the pizza, pizza you get home. And what greets you on, on, on the way into your house is, you know, uh, four screaming, rambunctious children. So uh, rough day, uh, you're expecting silence, you're expecting peace, you're expecting to be, uh, to, to, to jump into an environment that's going to replenish. And what you encounter is an environment that's going to take from you. And the environment has names, has little faces, and it's got loud shrieking noises and, and demands all of a sudden present uh, and look at you straight in the face. And so my question to you in that scenario is, is what is your role? What is your role as you walk into that house? What is your role in that moment? And so uh, the scenario is not a, 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 uh, a, a fiction. It's not, it's not something I invented. Uh, the, the scenario was yesterday for me. <laughs> so uh, maybe that describes much of your day-to-day uh, journey. Um, maybe your Friday, maybe my Friday yesterday was your Wednesday or your Tuesday, or, or, or maybe it's your every day. And, and as, you, as you look at fatherhood, I think one of the things I, I want to communicate to you uh, today is, is that fatherhood is, is recognizing what our role is. So in that moment, as you walk into uh, your home, um, is your role that of a drill sergeant? Is your role that to, to bring and enforce order into chaos? Are, are, are you meant to, to communicate and relate and, and, and to, and to, and to uh, work towards order? Is that what your role is in that moment? Or maybe, maybe your role is that of manager, of, of, of connecting with uh, uh, your, your other superintendent and describing how maybe things could have been done better or maybe organizational uh, uh, processes could have been put in place better or, or just kind of show where, where the systems didn't add up and maybe uh, um, consider putting other systems in. Um, or m- maybe your role of, of a professor, of, of an intellectual, where, where you, you, you expect the family and your children particularly to sit under you and to listen to you talk. And, and so how, how do you Engage in that dynamic, I think, is informed by what you consider your role to be. That's the point I'm trying to make. And, and th- this morning, I, I want to introduce you to, to an, an idea that fatherhood, the role of fatherhood, uh, is greatly helped by considering our roles as being stewards. So as fathers, um, we are fathers. But, but if you look at fatherhood through, through, through the lens of stewardship, you are stewards. Not of things, but of persons. Uh, 
You are stewards. Understanding fatherhood as you are the stewards of hearts and minds will greatly influence what you do in that moment. As you walk in the doors of your house, as you're greeted by, by mess and chaos and, and, and emotions and frazzledness, if you view your role in that moment as a steward, I'm convinced that, that what you seek to do for those two, three hours before the kids go to bed is going to be radically different than if you see yourself as a drill sergeant, as a manager, as a professor, or as something else. So let's, let's begin there. Um, what do I mean by by steward? Like, what is a steward? Um, a steward is defined simply as one who looks after the needs of another. So, so stewardship is is you have been entrusted with something that's not your own, uh, and you're looking out for the needs of a- another. And um, the principle I get from um, stewardship in the Bible is from that classic passage in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, where it says, train up your child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And I think embedded in that concept is, is our our. Our, our time with our children is limited. Our time with our children has a purpose beyond us. That, that we have a relationship with them, but our relationship with them is one of stewarding. There is a, 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 a time when they are old, when, 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 even when he is old, he will not depart from it. There is a way that they should go. And, and our, our, our relating to them is one of helping them by influencing them. So stewards influence and they respond to influence. And some of the things I want to do today is get really practical, um, um, like maybe show you snapshots of things I've seen in my home and in my parenting um, that, that I've recognized how these principles work themselves out in, in, just, in just key, key moments. So, so as a steward, you are seeking to influence your kids to something. You're, you're guiding them. You're walking with them. You're, you're, you're a walking pattern through life with them. And at some point, their journey continues and yours stops. You, you, you cease to be the, the influence that you are now. So some of you graybeards in the room, uh, you'll, you'll te- testify to this, right? When your kids were 10, you influenced your kids in certain ways that now maybe your kids have 10-year-olds you don't for practical reasons, and, and for, for, for obvious reasons, but how do you do that? How, how do you influence your kids, and, and how do you help them respond to ideas of influence in their lives? Um, about about uh, maybe two, two, three months ago, uh, my seven-year-old, uh, she loves playing video games like her dad, and um, uh, the word, what the heck, came out of her mouth. Uh, I don't consider that curse words or, or naughty language or nothing, uh, but but the way she said the word, what the heck, in responding to what was happening in the video game just kind of drew, drew my attention. That was new. Uh, that, that, that was a form of expression that I hadn't experienced from her, that hadn't showed up in her language. What the heck? What the heck? And uh, it was interesting engaging with her uh, in, in, in terms of why is she doing that and, and w- what is possibly happening inside her. And so 
a way that you can seek to influence your, your kid. Maybe you don't like them saying the words, what the heck. Maybe, maybe you're concerned about what comes out of your kid's mouths, right? And so if your kids say a cuss word, if your kids use language you don't like, how do you influence them in that, right? Well, my daughter presented what the heck as a means of me influencing uh, um, her. And, and uh, the approach I took that I found actually to be uh, fruitful and helpful is, is I leaned away from don't say that to, hey, do you realize what you just said? And I began asking her questions. I'm like, hey, Eliza, where, where did you pick that up from? I noticed you haven't use that language before. Um, where, where did you pick that up from? And we, we, we had this wonderful conversation where, where she, she recognized there was a period in my life, like all of my life, that I didn't blurt out, what the heck, when something was happening on the video game. But then about a month ago, a week ago, two weeks ago, the words, what the heck, are now really loud, really present, and, and really involved in much of her communication. And so... As an influence in your kids' lives, one of the things you're going to want to try and do is help them see that they are, and this is a word I made up when I preached a couple weeks ago, they're influenceable, right? That they're responding to influences outside of them. So as you train your kids in the way they should go, you, you point out the ways that they're going in. So you, you feature for them moments like those, and you say, hey, Eliza... Do, do, do you realize that, that the way other people talk is leading you to speak like them? Do, do you recognize that? And, and what, what, what we're getting to is we're teaching kids to be aware of what they're doing and why they're doing it. And, and I would submit to you guys that, that stewardship leads to a much deeper and, and, and present uh, um, presentation of parenting than just the command, stop saying that, right? Now, I don't want her to say what the heck, because what the heck is the gateway drug to what the hell, right? So, so I, I, I want to I avoid what the hell, right? And, and at some point, what the hell is going to come out of her mouth, and, and she's going to hear her daddy say, don't say that in my house, right? I, I'm not saying don't go there, but what I'm saying is influence is that process, is every part of the steps that are necessary before you get to the point of don't say that. And so, and so as, you, as you look at parenting through stewardship, it, it'll, it'll kind of encourage you to be more involved. Um, you, you've got to help them see what's happening to them. Um, uh, present to them questions like, why do you like doing this all of a sudden? Because newsflash, guys, our kids don't know what they don't know. Our kids don't know what they don't know. They don't know that, that, that there, there are categories of speech that are inappropriate. They don't know why there are categories of speech that are inappropriate. They don't know that four little cuss words are bad. They don't know that. I mean, they know that when you tell them, don't say that word. They have a, all of a sudden a category, hey, that's a bad word. But, but they're kids. They're, they're, they're picking up ideas as they go along in life. And, and as you seek to be an influence in, in, in their lives, walking with them, sowing seeds of influence is, 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 is going to get you further down the road with them than, 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 than again, parenting for an outcome, right? And, and this is kind of where, where, where I'm going next. So two practical questions 
to kind of help frame you through this. Do you see yourself as a tool in God's hand to shape your kid's soul? Do you see yourself as a tool in God's hand to shape your kid's soul? That's the stewardship dimension. Like what, 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 what concept do you have of fatherhood? Is fatherhood only associated with behaviors? Is fatherhood only associated with outcomes? Or do you recognize that fatherhood is a calling God's pressed in your life to shape the soul of that person? Now, let me nuance that even a little bit more. Because we, 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 we need to put boundaries on that. So how do I do that, Ronald? How do, how do I know that in my process of stewardship, I'm, I'm stewarding in the right direction? Okay, I, I want to steward, but I want to make sure I'm facing this way rather than this way when I, I'm, I'm stewarding. So another helpful question. Do you want your kids to be holy or do you want them to be well-behaved? Do you want your kids to be holy? Or do you want them to be well-behaved? Now, both of those categories are good, right? I mean, none of us want... Yeah, we, we all want Ryan's kids, apparently. <laughs> uh, I, I would love my kids. Every time we, we travel to see our in-laws who live in North Georgia, uh, uh, my kids get out of the car, and, and they, 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 they probably don't look like yours, Ryan. I mean, they, they've been in the car for 10 hours. You know, they want to break something, jump on something, get all that you know, compressed energy out of them. Uh, so we all want well-behaved kids, and I'm not, pre- I'm not talking about, you know, well-behaved kids. It, it's a bad idea, but, but what are you pursuing for your children? Do you want behavioral presentations to characterize what they pursue? Or do you want a hunger and thirst for God's righteousness to be what characterizes what you pursue? So do you want your kids to be holy, or do you want them to be well-behaved? Stewardship is about setting life-giving patterns rather than securing outcomes for life. So stewardship is about setting life-giving patterns rather than pursuing outcomes for life. And, and we, we see this really, really clearly in a passage in Scripture in Luke chapter 2. If you have a Bible, turn there. If not, that's okay. I'm going to read it for us. But we, we, we're going to get presented with um, the best dad in the world. And I say he's the best dad in the world because he was giving the utmost calling, um, the supreme dad. He, this is the dad who was giving the biggest dad task ever in history. The man Joseph, right? Now, I want you to imagine that an angel visits you and your wife and tells you, now listen. You guys are about to have a kid. And this kid is the son of God. And through the work that God's going to do in this kid, humanity is going to be forgiven from their sins. So the destiny of the human race and their relationship with God depends on this kid making it to adulthood. So it is your job to parent this child, right? How do you feel right now if you're Joseph? Uh, really? Uh, that was Joseph's call. Joseph was Jesus's earthly father. And while we don't know everything about Joseph, we know very little about Joseph. We know 
one key important fact about Joseph, that Joseph set a pattern in the life of the boy Jesus that accompanied him to adulthood. And you find this pattern in Luke chapter 2, verse 41. And it reads, Now, speaking of Joseph and Mary, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. Oh my gosh, they've lost the Son of God. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, so they've lost Jesus for three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. And all who had heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, like all good moms would do, Son, why have you treated us so? Right? That's a classic mom response. Do you realize what you've done? Right? And we know the story. So, Jesus is born of Joseph and Mary, and we don't know much of their dynamics. We know Joseph was a carpenter, so we know Jesus took over the, continued in, in, in the, 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 the family business. But this detail is really important in verse 41. Now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year, every year at the feast of the Passover. Joseph and Mary lived in Nazareth, a town about 70 miles from Jerusalem. Um, and they would travel with their family clan, make this trip yearly. This is something that Jewish people uh, in the surrounding area of Jerusalem did not do every year. Why didn't they do this every year? Because this was very inconvenient. Not only was this very inconvenient, but this is very expensive. This is a hard thing for them to do. Why is that? Well, have you ever walked 70 miles with your entire family, with, with life sacrifices that you have to take to the temple, uh, across rugged terrain. Uh, um, you know, I, I Googled, how long does it take to walk 70 miles? And, and Google told me that at a steady pace, it takes about a, 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 a 20 hours to walk you know, uh, 70 miles. And I'm assuming Google thinks that you're wearing you know, like Nike dry wick uh, shirts and nice you know, cross-training shoes. This is not their setting. So this journey would have taken them a couple of days. A couple of days from Nazareth to Jerusalem and a couple of days from Jerusalem back to Nazareth. And, and you get that detail, right, where in, um, in verse, uh, uh, where is it, uh, the, the, the three-day detail, that after three days of them going back to Nazareth, they're not in Nazareth yet, they discover Jesus is not with them. So th- this entire traveling to the Passover festival in, 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 in uh, Jerusalem, some scholars have read, they suspect it was about a two-week process. Again, this isn't a vacation. If you're someone who's a blue-collar worker working uh, in, a, in, 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 a, in a field that requires uh, day-to-day to, to make a living, th- you have to plan. You have to financially plan throughout the year so that this shows up uh, in, in how and how money is, is, is managed. You have to secure a hotel room. You have to secure food. You have to secure all sorts of... It takes a whole lot of financial planning that showed up in the life of Mary and Joseph. And, and the fact that Joseph did this every year 
Every year, Joseph took the initiative as a dad to create this pattern for his family. Hey, listen, we believe in the God of Israel. We believe in Yahweh, the God of Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob. And, and, and this is an important part of, of getting to know and commune with God. And so we are now going to align ourselves with that God by, by observing and being a part of these festivals on a yearly basis. And that's not a small detail. That, that yearly traveling to Jerusalem showed up in a bunch of categories that Jesus the boy was aware of. Jesus the boy would see this. Jesus the boys would see this pattern of life. That Joseph led his family and walked in certain ways that influenced his son. And you see this. Now, you can read this passage and make theological um, um, conclusions that, yeah, because Jesus was divine, he immediately would, would, would draw to the temple. But I'm not sure that that's the only explanation. I'm convinced that the influence Joseph had in the boy Jesus by showing him the importance of going to the temple, by showing him the importance of aligning your life to the principles of God, is what explains that they would find Jesus in the temple speaking to the scribes and the teachers. So the question is, where did Jesus learn this? Where did Jesus learn that it's important to have God in your life. Now, did he know that because he was Jesus? I guess in some say you could say yes. But did he, was he influenced by his dad? Was he influenced by this pattern that his dad instituted in his life? Every year, Jesus would see his dad put money aside, put money aside. Hey, dad, why are you putting that aside? Well, son, in eight months, we have to take our yearly trip to Jerusalem. And we have to put a little bit of money aside to make sure that we have enough to get a hotel room. That pattern did something in the life of Jesus. And you'll remember that one of the key moments in the gospel story is when Jesus is going to, to begin the Passover, uh, um, or not the Passover, the, 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 the Passion Week, where he's going to begin to set up his, his week uh, journey in, um, into the cross. Where does he go first? He goes to the temple first. So it's a pattern that, that culminates in, 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 in Jesus presenting to us the value of, of, of going to the house of the Lord. That I'm convinced his dad um, was a part of that. Now, here's, here's something interesting about this as well. A temptation you guys are going to face shows up in Mary's comment. A temptation you're going to face is as you go about creating life patterns for your kids, you're going to be convinced that nothing's happening and that you're almost going to be blind to them, right? And you, you see this in, in Mary. Um, his parents were astonished when they saw him. Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. It, it, it's almost like they didn't recognize that what they had done for 12 years of the life of Jesus was now showing its fruit. So don't discount the little baby steps in, as you seek to influence your kids. Change is a process. It's not an event. Change is a process. It's not a one-time thing. Change consists of a million little steps before the one step that you may or may not recognize. So let me, let me give you an example of how this has really practically set, set, um, sh- showed up in my house. Um, recently, maybe about a year ago, um, again, trial and error, right? Trial and error. Um, 
we, we've tried a whole bunch of different dynamics to, to bedtime, uh, to talk to our kids, to create an environment where I can influence them. So I'm a steward. I want to influence my kids. How do I influence your kids? And some things have worked. Uh, most have not. But the past year, we, we discovered, out of recommendation of my good friend Nick, um, um, a, a strategy of reading to them uh, at a particular time in the evening, reading fiction books to them. Now, I'm a pastor, so you expect me to read the Bible to my kids, and I do, right? But I actually stopped reading the Bible to my kids at night, and I began reading fiction books to them at night. And what that created was a context where, where, where my evenings look different. My, our evenings as a family, now, now the objective is, hey, let's make it to the time we can read together. And so for, for the past year, um, we've had this, this wonderful dynamic where at about 8.30, we begin reading a book. And, and, and what that's done is it, it, it's, it, it's created life patterns of conversation. It's created life patterns of a context where correction and conversation and community can happen. Because we all have one, one objective where we all want to read the story. And so I'll take you back to yesterday. Um, yesterday was, was, was a moment where in spite of the correction, I recognized that after the correction, we're going to read. After the correction, we're going to have a time of intimacy as a family. So I, I need to be careful how I correct. I, I need to be careful not to ruin what's going to happen after I correct. So th- that influence is also influencing me. And the same thing from them. They've come to crave that time. Um, my five-year-old has autism, and, and, and he now, he's like, Dad, can you read us a story? So th- we've discovered something. So when correction comes, th- they now want to be careful that that precious thing isn't lost. And so in, in, in reading a story as a family, a context has been created where, where, where heart change can happen. A life pattern, a life pattern. What's a life pattern? Reading a story that my kids like. That's the life pattern. That's created life-giving moments um, rather than just me pursuing, okay, when I show up at 630, you guys have to be quiet. You have to have dinner. You have to brush your teeth. You have to go to bed. We're going to read a Bible story, and then you're going to go to bed. Um, that, that type of structure is helpful. But, but we discovered a life pattern that has brought life to our family. Um, stewardship is also about caring for a heart rather than controlling behavior. If, if I can get you to walk away with something this morning is this idea that stewardship is about caring for a heart rather than controlling behavior. Um, uh, uh, Paul, uh, uh, Paul would say this, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That, 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 that first clause of that verse, do not provoke your children to anger. Why is that? Why, why would Paul feel that he's going, he has to preempt or he has to, he has to begin an admonition towards dads? He doesn't say, dads, Make sure your kids do what you tell them to do. He doesn't say, Dad, make sure that you, that you feature your authority over your kids as the first uh, filter through which they relate to you. Dad, make sure you enforce your rules and regulations. Dad, make sure they understand your principles about God and their principles about who they are and their principles about you being the, the authority figure. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. And I think that the principle there is... is 
as a dad, I'm recognizing something, and, and it's, a, it's, it, it's an awareness that scares the snot out of me, to be honest. But it's been empowering because it's released me from really what my job is. I have, when it comes to my children's hearts, when it comes to their future, when it comes to their destiny, when it comes to who they're going to become, I have absolutely zero control of all those things. None. I've got no control over what's inside my kids' hearts. I can't determine what's inside my, 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 my kids' hearts. I can't even change what's inside my kids' heart. But what I can do is I can influence what's inside my kids' hearts. I can steer what's inside my kids' hearts. I can steward what's inside my kids' hearts. And so I know that when a moment shows up and and my kids do something that it's a direct violation of a clear principle I've communicated, son, don't jump on the couch. Daughter, don't bring your breakfast on my bed because you're going to get it on my pillow, right? Kids, stop playing with the ball in the house because you're going to break my 65-inch screen TV, right? There's a clear, clear authoritative principle I've presented that they're violating. Do not provoke your children to anger. I need to be informed of the reality of, of rather than securing an outcome, rather than, 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 than the goal being a behavior I want from them, there's a heart I'm going to influence in that moment. And so a practical working out of this is, guys, don't discipline your kids when you're angry. So how, how do you not provoke your children to anger? You, you visit your own anger in your heart. And if you're like me, when your kids disobey, I've never felt joyful when my kids disobeyed. I've never had a moment where I've been in the room and my kids have d- disobeyed me, done something I didn't want them to do, or failed to do something I wanted them to do. Joy hasn't shown up in those moments. Uh, fear hasn't shown up in those moments. Sorrow hasn't showed up in those moments sadness hasn't showed up in those moments. You know what has showed up in those moments time and time and time and time again? Anger. Anger. And it it, it hasn't started immediately as anger, but it's worked itself really quickly towards anger. Maybe it's been impatience. Maybe it's been just the discomfort of not being listened to. Maybe my pride gets rubbed off because they don't know who they're talking to. And then, and then it's a shortcut to anger. And then in that anger, how do I engage my kids? I seek to stop disciplining them, disciplining them, disciplining them, sorry, for their own sake. And I discipline them for my own sake. In other words, I treat them as you guys are damaging my reputation. You guys are not idolizing me for what I am, the authority figure in this house. And so I become punitive in my punishment. I seek to crush rather than encourage. And so the principle of do not provoke your children to anger. Don't discipline your kids when you are angry. But you would say, Ronald, aren't they going to get away with it? Well, they're going to get away from something, all right. They're going to get away from your wrath. And that's an important thing. Because what do we know about Scripture? What do we know about our Heavenly Father and how He has treated us? If, if you look at the story of Scripture, I can't get over the fact that the Bible doesn't end in Genesis chapter 3. I cannot get over the fact that the Bible is not just three chapters. Genesis chapter 1, God creates the heavens and the earth. 
Genesis chapter 2, God, God uh, uh, creates mankind, or, or it's, an, it's, a, it's a more in-depth view of the purpose of mankind and the relationship God has with mankind and the choice God gives of mankind. Hey, listen to me, and, and you will have a life that you can't even imagine. And mankind says, no. And then Genesis chapter 3, the fall, where sin enters humankind and, and mankind is separated from God permanently. Why does the Bible continue to Genesis chapter 4? I find that interesting. I find it really interesting that Genesis chapter 3, the last scene we see, is Adam and Eve leaving the Garden of Eden. is leaving the presence of God. The, the separation between God and man is now complete. And here's how Genesis chapter 4 begins. Adam and Eve have another baby, have two kids, Cain and Abel. But in this story, what's featured is Cain and Abel present sacrifices to God. And God welcomes them. What does that mean? Why is God still in the picture? Why is God still allowing humanity that rejecting him to come to him? Why is that? Because he loves them. Because God's, God's instinct, to put it that way, has been to pursue his children. God's instinct has been to do what we don't do. We run away from him. He runs towards us. This is what God does. And so as fathers, this is what we ought to model. Scriptures speak about the need for law. But we need more than law. We need more than rules. Your kids need something more than rules in their lives. Now, rules are good, right? They, they, help, they, help, they help guide, and they also help reveal, right? Rules reveal intentions of the heart. But, but here's what rules cannot do. Rules cannot redeem. R- rules will never accomplish for your child what only love and grace can. Rules reveal, but they don't redeem. And if we think about the story of Scripture, this relationship between law and grace, if all we needed was the law, if all we needed was God to give us the Ten Commandments and the, the rest of the law, if that's all we needed, then why did Jesus Christ die on the cross? If all we needed was being told what we needed to do, if that's all the interaction we needed with God, hey, God, just tell us what to do. Just kind of write it down so we have the reference points. And if we abide by those things, we're good to go, right? Again, the scriptures don't end there. The scriptures present that we needed something more. Because not only were we incapable of following those rules, but our need was not obedience. Our need was salvation. And, and this is the stewardship principle with your kids. Your kids need you to help redeem themselves. They, they need you to help point them to a redeemer. You need to steward their souls so, so, so that they come to understand that, that rules serve a purpose, but that their greatest enemy in life is not actually what's outside of them, but what's inside them. That they are ultimately their wicked heart, their sinful heart. And let's face it, we all have young kids, right? They can be very wicked. <laughs> You, you, you need to guide them in life to pursue one who can save them from their ultimate enemy, and that's themselves. Jesus died because we needed to be saved. Your kids need to be pointed in that direction. They also need to know something more than they have broken a rule, right? 
And so this is part of that, that stewardship process. They, they, they need to know what you and I have come to know as a result of knowing God. God does not just tell us that we were sinners. God tells us that we were sinners, but Christ died for us. God tells us that we broke his transgression, but that we have forgiveness in the blood of Christ. As you seek to parent and steward the lives of your kids, this is a, a practical thing that you can begin to implement, right? And so the, the, I wrote in my, in, in my notes the principle of drawing close versus pushing away, right? So when you discipline your kids, how, how, how do you know that you're, that you're drawing close to them as you discipline them rather than pushing them away? Um, play back the past 10 or so iterations with your kids, Re- replay the tape of how you've disciplined them, of how you've encounter- engaged with them when they've done something wrong. If, 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 if you got that scene in your mind right now, if, if you sound like, if, if it sounds more like a monologue versus than a dialogue, if it sounds more like you're talking to them rather than talking with them, that, that's a helpful shift. Do you guys realize that your kids don't know how to be good? Your kids don't know how to behave. Like, they weren't born knowing how to behave. Not only do they not know how to behave, they they don't know how to engage with things like temptation, with things like weakness. They haven't lived life long enough to know Okay, I'm being influenced by that neighbor's kid who's really shady, and 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 peer pressure is a, is a darn thing, right? But I've never been put under the the, the, the pressure of it, and 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 so how how do you engage them in that moment? They need a steward. They need someone to walk with them to sure show and point them. Hey, listen, what what you did was wrong, but let's revisit it. Let's, let's understand um, um, why it's wrong. Let's, let's, help me understand why in your heart you wanted to do that versus not wanting to do um, this other thing. And after all, again, is this not what Scripture has done to us? The book of Isaiah begins by God himself telling his people, come, let us reason. Come, let's sit down and talk. Though your sins are as scarlet, they can be made white as snow. God invites conversation with his people. Similarly, we should invite conversation with our kids. Finally, stewardship recognizes that, that there's a variety of needs in our children's hearts. So First Thessalonians would, would, would um, put it this way. Um, um, talk about the idea of uh, um, admonishing the idle and uh, encouraging the faint-hearted and helping the weak. The principle of admonishing the idle, encouraging the faint-hearted, and helping the weak. That you're going to encounter your kids as they walk through life, show up in settings where... where I'll, I'll give you an example. My, my daughter, my oldest daughter, um, she loves people. She's never met a stranger. Uh, she, she's just so, she comes alive in, in social settings. She wants to be everyone's friend and she wants them to know that they're valuable, right? And so I remember about maybe, maybe August of 2020, 
um, COVID presented us a, a scenario where we got to we, we, we got to know our neighbors because we were forced to know our, our, our neighbors, right? Because there was nothing else to do, and so we actually got to know the neighbors and we got to know uh, the kids around our, our, our neighborhood, and it was a beautiful thing. I mean, I told my wife the other day, I'm Hispanic. I told Sridi, it, it, it looks like a UN meeting because we had we had Hispanic kids with uh, Middle Eastern kids, with Asian kids, with Black kids, and it was just a glorious thing of, of kids and, and all, all sorts of races and cultures coming together. So my, my kids develop this this connection with with kids from from um, um, other other uh, uh, ways of life and um, it would get my daughter really excited right and um, and it was adventurous and so her heart was, was now moved towards hey uh, there's there's a new kid there's a new dynamic but what my, my what my daughter hadn't encountered was um, uh, I, I don't want to call him a bully but um, she hadn't encountered that type of child that makes you feel um, embarrassed about things. Like, like uh, she, she hadn't been in, 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 a, in a situation where, where um, th- the kid boasted about not listening to his parents and would make fun of the other kids who listened to their parents. So when I came and I told my daughter, hey, it's dinner time, come inside, right? Um, my daughter wouldn't come inside. She would stay outside. Why, why was that? Because my, 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 my call to her was greeted by this kid engaging with her. And him, him telling her, oh, you do everything your parents tell you? And, and just mocking her and poking fun of her. And again, she's a people person. Again, she loves social dynamics. Again, she, she wants everyone to be happy. And so, and so she wouldn't come in the house. It would take her 30 minutes after I told her to come eat her dinner to come in, in her dinner. And, and, and I remember screwing up on this royally. I remember screwing up on this absolutely royally. I went out there one time, and, and I didn't purposefully embarrass her in front of her friends, but the net result was I embarrassed her in front of her friends. Because I told her, I told you to come inside, get your butt in the house. Good dad, right? That, that's a good dad move. I, I displayed my authority. I showed her who's the boss. All the kids now know who's the boss. But I also noticed what I did to my girl. I just broke her heart. I just devastated her. Because she didn't know how to manage herself in that situation. She, she had no, she, she was presented with a temptation. She was presented with a situation in life that she didn't know what to do. And so the issue there was not rebellion. The issue was character development. The, the, the issue was not she was being disobedient. The issue there was, was a lack of skill. So for example... Would you guys yell at your kids or discipline your kids or punish your kids if they come up to you and say, Daddy, I don't know what 92 times 74 is? Well, do you know how to multiply? No. Well, that makes sense, right? Would you, would you respond to them in, in, in anger and in discipline and, and bring up principles of authority if they come up with you with a math problem and a subject about math that they haven't encountered yet? You wouldn't do that, right? then why do we expect that our kids are masters at, at social settings and moral uh, dynamics when it comes to peer pressure? They don't know what to do at times. And so, and so stewardship invites me to understand that my job in that moment includes authority, includes bringing up the element of respecting um, a rules, but there's a dynamic of a heart there that she's never been tested She's never been tested. And in that moment, she was. 
and she failed. And so now her heart is, is compoundedly suffering because she knows on the one hand, she disobeyed her dad. So there's consequences to that. But on the other hand, she's now embarrassed, right? So stewardship invites me to recognize that my daughter is a human being, that my daughter is more than a project for me to fix. My daughter is a, a, a human being created in the image and likeness of God that, like me, suffers with the two greatest issues in life, issues of identity and issues of suffering. My daughter is beginning to awaken to her own identity, who she is, and she's beginning to respond to suffering. And I can't expect her to have a master's degree on on either one of those two things if she's 10 years old. So stewardship helps me walk into those settings. And so a practical question, I may have given you guys this in in your outline. Um, Can you think of five questions to help your kids communicate can you think of five to six questions as you talk to your kids to draw them out Um, and finally i'll just leave you with this sentence and then point you to your paper the goal of discipline as, as a steward is discipleship the goal of discipline as a as a steward is discipleship not destruction the goal of discipline is to disciple your kids not to destroy them let me pray for us guys and then nick is going to come up and um do a book giveaway and uh, i've got uh, some uh, notes on your table so everyone should have a a, 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 um, a piece of paper with questions not not just whoever your table leader is and gra- gra- grab some uh, uh, a pen and kind of write through those things I encourage you to visit with these questions i'm 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 planning i'm banking on the fact that you're like me that you're going to encounter one of these questions and you're not going to have an answer or your answer is going to be a bad one Um, this is why we meet guys. This is why we show up on Saturdays is the magic is about to happen in the table. Someone's going to impart wisdom into your life as you, as you recognize, I need help in this area. Uh, one of you brothers help me. Let's pray. And then we'll go into our discussion time. Father, thank you for uh, this journey. You've called us to, uh, to be stewards, lords of, of our children, father, um, Thank you, Lord, for, for the empowerment that you have afforded us in the Holy Spirit, Lord. Thank you for the, the guidance that you have given us in, in, in Scripture, Father. But, Lord, we still need your help, Lord. Uh, it is sobering to know, Father, that, that we truly cannot stick our hands inside our kids' chests and change their hearts, Father. We can't do that, Father. But it is more encouraging, Father, to know that, that you can, Lord. And your ways are good, and you are trustworthy, and you desire that they would come to know you, Father. So we just pray that your promises would be true in their lives, that you would give us wisdom to know how to act with our kids, Lord, and that you would help us, Father, as we seek to help each other right now. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, You can start putting stuff up. Awesome. Uh, Thank you, Ronald. Um, That was really good. I think the best takeaway I have from that, and we'll probably talk about this a lot at our table, is that, like, it's one of those we were talking about earlier. It's, like, it seems really obvious, but, like, my kid is a human being. It's not, like, a game I'm playing, a project I'm managing. It's they're a person, and they're going to be their person. And that influences a little bit of the books that we're going to talk about today. I'm going to give away this book. Does anybody have a 14-year-old in here? Anybody have a 14-year-old kid? Mike Pell, you get a book. Do you have this book already? 
Parenting? Do you read? Um, I'll give you parenting because it's 14 gospel principles. So this book is by Paul Tripp. Um, Paul Tripp is more well-known as a counselor and a a teacher of counseling. Um, But what I love about Paul Tripp is that uh, he kind of takes his counseling principles and applies them to parenting in this book, and it's really, really great. Um, Anything he writes, I try to get my hands on because he's just really great. Uh, Next book. Uh, That's the only book I'm giving away today. Uh, This is Michael Emlett. He's written... He's another great biblical... So you're going to notice a theme here today. We're going to talk a lot about counseling. Uh, Background story, I have a master's in biblical counseling. I love this stuff. I love thinking about this stuff and applying this stuff. And I hope what you took away from what Ronald was talking about today is that a lot of parenting is counseling. It's, It's how do I reach into my kid's heart and draw out from them and help them discover what what's ailing them and, and what the solution is. Because if I just tell them, they will never absorb it as well as if I help them to discover themselves. Um, Michael Emlett, he's introduced this concept before in another book, but this is a book he, he just recently released. And it kind of, if you picture three boxes that we fit in as people, as believers, we are simultaneously saints, sufferers, and sinners. We are we have a relationship with God, we have a relationship with pain, and we have a relationship with our own sin. And we're, n- we're never just one of those things. We're always at least two and usually all three. Um, and our kids are in that same boat. Uh, if they're not believers yet, then still suffering and sinning, it's important to understand what I'm dealing with when I'm working with my kids. So this book is not about parenting per se. It's about loving other people. But your kids, as we said, are other people. Um, so get your hands on this book. Next book. Um, these next couple books are, again, these are books for counselors about caring for kids. And that's a growing field in biblical counseling is how do we take these ideas that we've applied to grownups and apply them to kids. This one is Building Bridges by Julie Lowe. And let's go to the next one as well. Caring for the Souls of Children. Uh, again, these are both manuals and kind of reference guides and, and books for, uh, for counselors. But I encourage you to read them. Uh, and I'll send out all these links uh, this week uh, coming up. Um, but great books for, all right, how do I understand how to take the principles of getting to know a person, getting them to know God, and getting to know themselves, and apply them to six-year-olds or 14-year-olds, um, which are equally rational human beings? Um, and then next, so these books here. If you got little ones, this is a whole series put out by New Growth Press. There's a, more than these three. These are just three of them. Um, they are picture books with really great counseling principles applied to them that kids can see in them. Uh, we've got a couple of these. Uh, we actually, that middle one, Jackson's Tale of Twitches, what's interesting about that book is it's, it's a book about anger. You can see like when you're angry or when you're jealous or when you're anxious. Um, but in, so in, in that middle one, which, which we've read a few times and had need for, uh, it's not just the kid who's the screw up. Like the dad screws up and the mom screws up and the other kid screws up and the neighbors screw up. And so it's not one of these kind of oversimplistic stories of like, everything's going, you kids screwed up, here's what you should have done instead. It's like, no, you screwed up and your dad screws up and your mom screws up and everybody gets upset about things. And here's why that happens and what's really causing that. So I really enjoy these books. Um, David Pallison was the editor of these. Um, he, Ed Welch is doing them now, it looks like, um, since David passed away. But they're just, they're really great. They're really good little books. And then for older kids, 
Um, this is another Paul Tripp book as you're getting into the teenage, for those of you who have a little bit older kids. Uh, it's an old book, but it's a good book. Um, is Age of Opportunity. Just how do we take these kind of principles? Because it looks different doing it for a four-year-old than it does for a 14-year-old uh, or an 18-year-old. And, and how much do we move from authority to influence? And what does that pace look like? And so um, I, this pro- book probably is due for an upgrade. Not that it's not good, but life has changed a lot since the book was written, but it's probably still really, really good. So uh, that's just a handful of books. Uh, if y'all want to take just a couple minutes, everybody has to go to the bathroom, but let's get re- regathered as soon as we can. And... Uh, and get talking about some of this stuff. Thanks, guys.